0: الحمد لله الذي شرّفنا في كتابه بقوله إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد الذي أيقظنا بقوله من كانت له مظلمة لأهله من علده أو ماله فليتحلل منه اليوم قبل ألا يكون دينار ولا درهم أيوم أي الفصل وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَأَصْحَابِهِ الَّذِينَ وَصَلُوا كُلَّ فَرْءٍ إِلَىٰ الْأَصْلِ All praise are due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who honored us in his book by this statement which he addresses us إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُكُمْ أَن تُؤَدُّوا الْأَمَانَاتِ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهَا Indeed Allah commands you to fulfill the trusts to their appropriate deserving parties and that when you are de- re- resolving or deciding a matter amongst people, that you should make a decision based on fairness and justice. And may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon His Messenger, our Master Muhammad, who awakened us by His statement anyone who has done a wrong to his brother. مَنْ كَانَتْ لَهُ li لِأَخِيهِ Anyone who has done a wrong or an injustice to his brother regarding his honor or regarding his wealth مِنْهُ الْيَوْمِ Then let him take care of that and clear that now, this day. قَبْلَ يَكُونَ دِينَارٌ وَلَا دِرْهَمٌ Before the day comes in which there will be no gold or silver, there will be no money, there will be no way to compensate or recompensate in the matter of wealth. Yani, that is the day of judgment. And may the blessings and peace be upon his family and his companions الَّذِينَ وَصَلُوا كُلَّ فَرْعٍ إِلَى الْأَصْلِ Who joined every... Branch to its origin, meaning they fulfilled all the rights. This was the muqaddama or the Khutbah of the Kitab Hukuq Al-Ibad, written by Hakim Al-Ummat Mujaddid Al-Millat, Maulana Ashraf Ali Sabt Hanwi, And this book is one of the books which Hakim Al-Ummat, Rahmatullah would advise all the murideen and advise all the mutaalliqeen anybody that had any connection with him rather this was something that he wrote for the muslim ummah at large and it's clear from the khutbah and the introduction of the book that the verses and the and the hadith which he quoted it shows the importance of fulfilling rights and why i wanted to um, why i specifically chose this topic that inshallah, we'll be doing a reading of this from now until we complete the book. I wanted to do this because of the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the Muslims, He's given uh, two responsibilities, two rights, right? One is the haqq of Allah and one is the haqq of the slaves of Allah. So when you have been brought to this world and Allah gave you existence, there are two things that you have to constantly be thinking of at all times. What is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rights upon me? And what are the rights of the slaves of Allah that I am always interacting with on a daily basis? What are their rights upon me? As a Muslim, every single day and every single moment and every single stage of your life, you have hukuq. You have rights. And you have to fulfill those rights. And one of the specialities of the Tanwi Silsila, one of the specialities of this tariqah of ours is Hukukul Ibad and the fulfillment of Hukukul Ibad. To such an extent that Mawlana Ashaq Ali Tanwi Rahmatullah he used to give very, very firm and he was very particular about this more than anything else. To such an extent that Hazrat mentioned that if a person, any of my murideen it happens that due to some excuse, due to some condition that he has, he is not able to perform his prayer with Jamaat, or due to some excuse or some condition, he's not able to perform his wazifas. due to some condition he's not able to perform his tahajjud, due to some condition he's not able to fulfill the nawafil, and so on, this is not something of great concern to me. Because those matters all have to do with certain situations, conditions, Excuses, exemptions that might come over a person. For example, we know that a person he is not able to attend Salat with Jamaat due to sickness, right? Due to um, not being well, due to the weather, right? Due to maybe not having a vehicle. And nowadays, a person might not have um, the gas money. He's so poor, he doesn't have the gas money. A person might not be able. So, in these matters, Ma'ana Tahani Rahmatullah. He used to give the person basically the benefit of the doubt, and said, "In this matter, I am not so concerned to be kind of probing into my muridin and seeing, oh, is he, you know, waking up for the Hajjid. If he's not, okay, then I'm going to say, what's the matter with you? Or is he seeing dreams or not? Or so on and so forth." Well, غير things, of course, Hazrat he did not have any uh, concern about that, anyways. But I'm talking about things that are اختيادي, but they're not. They they, they are. Possible that there's an excuse or an exemption. But as far as hukukul ibad is concerned, he would not at all let it slide. Right? For lack of a better word. He would not let it slide. When it would come to Hukukul Ibad, what is Hukukul Ibad? The rights of the slaves of Allah. When it would come to the rights of Allah's slaves and to the rights of the parents, and to the rights of the children, and to the rights of the neighbors, and to the rights of the employer, and to the rights of the people that we're interacting with, and the rights of the relatives, Hakim was the, did not have any mercy. To such an extent, that one time, one of his Khalifas, and for us to understand like, what level of seriousness and what uh, attitude Maulana at adopted regarding this, that one time, Hakimul al one of his khalafah, came with his son. And he said, how did you come? He was just having conversation. He said, I came by train. So he said, oh, and your son also came? He said, yes, my son came, but alhamdulillah, I, uh, he came for free. So he said, how did he come for free? He said, actually, um, children that are nine and uh, below ten years old, children that are under 10 then they can ride for free children 10 and above right they have to pay so my son is 10 and a half years old but he looks like 8 years old and he looks very young so therefore uh, we didn't uh, uh, we got through and the ticket person he did not realize uh, because he was short he didn't even ask and then we got for free when Hakim Unumat he said what did you do? did you really do that? You knew that he was 10 years old. And you stayed quiet and you lied. And you let him go for free. When you kn- knew that you have to pay his way. He said, You have done a khianat. This is not only treachery and khianat, it is lying. It is cheating. And I, right now, this moment, I take khilafat away from you. You are no longer my khalifa. Make toba from what you've done. This is cheating. This is lying. This is fraud. This is deception. You're you're happy also that you got a free ticket? Oh, my son, he's ten and a half, but he looks like he's really young. He's short. So the the train conductor let him go for free and he didn't charge him. Well, you should have told him right on the spot that I'm sorry, but he's ten and a half years old. I want you to charge me. This was Hazrat Hakim al-Ummat's attitude regarding mu'amalat. You know what is mu'amalat Dealings. This is how f- fair, how straightforward, how strict he was in regards to dealings. Not this type of thing that, you know, take your money out of the bank and show the government that you don't got any money so that you can get this, that and the other. That's not going to slide. This is deception. This is lying. Rather live poor, but live an honest person. But this type of de- deception? It brings about great be barakati, brings about great lack of blessings. And this affects the children. Children do not grow when they're eating that food, they do not grow with taqwa. They grow empty, superficial, empty-hearted, they lack nur, they lack taqwa. And those children that are fed with money, that's earned with honesty, that is not deception, that is not, you know, lying and showing one thing and taking another thing which, you know, a lot of from the communities that we are know, they're just day and night involved in that. I know and you know, this brings an extreme amount of bebarakati, lack of blessings. This brings about superficiality, this takes away nur from the food, takes away nur from the household, it takes away barakah from the household. This is all lying and cheating and deception and fraud. Lying, cheating, deception, fraud. How many sins? Lying, cheating, deception, fraud. So, Malala Tamiramdlaleh. More than anything else, he was concerned regarding hukukul ibad, hukukul law, and hukukul ibad. Day and night, his concern was this: that see, what are the rights that the people that you are you're living with, that the people that you're surrounded around, that the people that you're interacting with on a daily basis, what are their rights on you? And what are your rights on them? Fulfill the rights of others. And this is why Hazrat Rahmatullah wrote this book called Hukuq Al-Islam. And I want to read to you, inshallah, from this book. And, yes, so he talks about the verse, Allah has commanded that you fulfill the rights of those who are entrusted with rights. Your, the, the trusts, you should fulfill those trusts to who they are deserving of those trusts. If Allah gave you a child, a son should fulfill the rights of your children. If Allah has given you a wife, you should fulfill the rights of your wife. If Allah has given you the husband, Allah, you should fulfill the rights of your husband. If Allah ta'ala has given you parents, you should be fulfilling the rights of your parents. Inshallah, this book will teach us what are the rights that each one of them have upon us. Because, right, Nabi Karim said, anyone who has done an injustice to his brother, then let him fulfill that in this life before the time comes that he's not going to be able to fulfill that. And a hadith comes in Sahih Muslim that I have mentioned to you many times before. And I want to repeat that. The Prophet ﷺ he mentions, and he says that the Sahaba that manil muflis, O my Sahaba, who is the bankrupt person? They said, Ya Rasulullah al muflisum la la dirham. That the muflis is the one that doesn't have any wealth, any gold or silver. He said, No, the muflis in my Ummah and in the istilah of Sharia, in the istilah of Deen and Sunnah, the muflis, the bankrupt person, is not the one who's bankrupt of money. Rather, he is the one who is bankrupt in what? He is the one that is bankrupt in regards to his deen. He says, the bankrupt person in my ummah is the one that will come on the day of judgment with mountains of deeds. He will come with mountains of salat and mountains of zakat and mountains of sadaqah and mountains of charity and mountains of umrah and mountains of dhikr and mountains of tilawa and mountains of of, of recitation of durood sharif. And then a the person will come وَقَدْ هَذَا وَضَرَبَ هَذَا وَأَكَلَ مَالَ هَذَا وَسَفَكَدَمَ هَذَا And he will come and he will stand before Allah with mountains of good deeds. And he will say, Oh my Allah, now I'm entering into Jannah. I'm going to enter into paradise. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what will happen? All the people that he had done injustice to on this earth, they will come one by one. And they will say, Oh Allah, this person hit me. Oh Allah, this person made zibat of me. Oh Allah, this person shed my blood. Oh Allah, this person usurped my wealth. Oh Allah, this person owed me money and he didn't pay me back. Oh Allah, this person, my husband, he used to beat me up. Oh Allah, this is my father, he used to abuse me. Oh Allah, this person raped me. Oh Allah, this person molested me. On that day, لا ظلم اليوم, there will be no zulm on that day. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala will take everything out on that day. These people that take youngsters in their company and then they molest them. Or they take uh, uh, these women and they and they lead them astray and then they rape them. Where is the justice in this world? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day will take it out of them to such an extent that Allah will not leave them until the haqq of that person is paid. Until that person who suffered in this world he will be completely contented. Allah will not leave it until that person who suffered in this world, he will be contented to the fullest. There will be no zulm on that day. There will be no zulm on that day. Why does Allah allow that in this life? Because Allah has given us free will in this world. This life is a life of examination. Allah lets people do what they do. Allah lets the the zalim go and kill. Allah lets the rapist go and rape. Allah lets the thief go and steal. Why does He let them? Because Allah has given us this earth and Allah has given us this life as a life of free will. Allah has given us this life as a life of examination. And Allah lets that happen. So that on the day of judgment, Allah will reward those who did good with good. And Allah will punish those who did evil with evil. So be very, very aware of this. That hukukul ibad is something very, very important. I'll give you one small example of al ibad before I start the book. Why this is so important? In a hadith, it mentions that that person, that woman whose husband is displeased with her, that woman whose husband is displeased with her, and she stays away from the bed from him, and it is her fault, not his fault. Not that he's abusing or molesting or hitting or doing zulm. That's a different situation. Or she's sick or she's tired. That's a different issue. But she is the one that's the one who is at fault. Nabi Karim Sallallahu said that when, when she's going to pray, then the prayer and her dua does not go further than the top of her head. It goes up and then it comes right back down. It does not go to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. There is a parda. There is a veil. There is an obstacle. That nafarmani and that disobedience of her husband becomes like a veil and an obstacle. That dua and that prayer does not go above her head until she asks forgiveness and she starts obeying her husband again. Similarly is a situation of a disobedient child, a, 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 a daughter or a son that is disobeying their mother or father. Their dua does not go above their head until the mother and father is pleased, as long as it's not something which is against the sharia. Mother, father saying, "I don't want you to pray." Mother, father is saying, "I don't want you to wear hijab," and you are disobeying me. In that, you must disobey your parents. But we're talking about something. For example, don't go with those bad friends. Don't go in that evil company. Don't go in that bad place. Don't hang around with those people that will hurt you. Go to school, study, pray. No, I'm not going to. Or going out late till uh, uh, late at night. This person, is dua and his prayer will not go above his head. So from this we understand that along with your duas and along with your prayers and along with all these other things, the pleasure of parents and the hukuk and the rights that certain people have upon you are extremely important. So Hazard mentions badhamd was salat, wa aqlan ye sabit hai, ki hum logo se kuch ka gaya hai. <laughs> <laughs> Mawlana mentions is that it should be clear that as as far as if we look at it from the sharia perspective, and if we look at it from the Aqli perspective, if you look at it from sharia, all the hadith are there. And if you look at it from Aql, then all the proofs, even from a logical perspective, are there, that people, there's people in this world that have rights over you. There's people in this world that have rights over you. This is understood through Sharia. إِنَّ adul amanat ila ahliha. The ayat and the Quran is there, the hadith is there, that says that you have to fulfill certain rights. You have a son, you don't just bring a son in this world, you take care of him, and you look after his needs. You have a wife, that doesn't mean you just get married and you just leave her. You have to look after her needs. You have a mother and father, that doesn't mean you just leave them there uh, you know, in the corner of the house and you don't ask of their needs. So from hadith we understand and from aql we understand. How do we understand through aql When you're interacting with people on a daily basis, there's somebody that took care of you. When you were young, your parents took care of you when you couldn't take care of yourself. Aqlan, does that not register in your brain that now the time has come that they have a right upon you? Let's not let's not even look at it from a shari perspective. Hazrat is mentioning, let's look at it from a logical perspective. Let's say we don't even look at the Quran and Sunnah. You brought a child in this world. You are the cause of that child being born. You are the biological father or mother. Aqlan, according to logic, does this not demand that that child has rights upon you? That you should take care of it and that you should not neglect it? Put Sharia to the side. Just from a logical perspective, that child has right upon you. You marry this woman and you promise that we are partners in life. That itself, according to common sense, demands that she should be taking care of you and you should be taking care of her. There's roles and responsibilities. There's compromise and give and take. Subhanallah, this is what I love about Hakimul Ummat, is every every sentence, every every word has you can, can speak volumes. naqlan, sabit hai. According to Akal and according to Naqal, according to the Sharia, and according to from a logical perspective, this matter is established, that their people have rights upon each other in this world. Jismeh baaz huquq Allah ta'ala ke hai, aur baaz bandu ke that some of the rights belong to Allah? I totally forgot. Aklam, from a logical perspective, even if the Quran doesn't say so, even if the hadith doesn't say so, from a logical perspective we know, our Allah created us. He gave us food, He gave us water. He gave you eyes and ears and He gave you a heart and understanding. Just that demands from a logical perspective that He has rights over you. And he has the greatest right upon you. Why? Because he gave you existence. Do you need a hadith for that? Do you need an ayat of Quran for that? To, pr- to prove that? He says that, and as far as the rights, some of those rights are religious. Some of those rights are worldly rights. What does that mean, religious? For example, parents. The rights of the parents is a religious right. It's a right that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The pleasure of Allah is in the pleasure of the parent. The, the, the displeasure of Allah is in the displeasure of the parent. Walid, I translate it as parent, not only father. Because it goes both ways, mother also. Because we know if the mother is displeased, Allah is displeased. So from this we understand that there's religious obligations, and there's also worldly obligations. For example, there's a person who is a non-Muslim, but I'm in a I'm in a transaction with them. It is binding upon me that this person who is not Muslim, he's religious. I'm not religiously obligated, but this is a mali obligation that my religion has demanded. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like with your parents, their pleasure is Allah's pleasure. So this is something which is connected with the deen. But there's certain obligations that are connected with dunya. But Allah has demanded that you fulfill those dunya obligations. Allah has demanded that those worldly obligations must be fulfilled. Not because that is a deeni obligation, but because Allah demands honesty. Allah demands righteousness. Allah demands fairness. Allah demands fulfillment of rights. Not because the guy is a Muslim. Not because the guy is your mother or your father or anybody which is something you can understand. And this is why a lot of people don't understand. But this is a worldly thing. How can it be demanded in my deen to do that to fulfill this worldly right? Why should I pay this guy back? This is a worldly matter. It has nothing to do with my deen. This is where people misunderstand. So there are certain... Hukuq. And there are some rights that are aqarib, yani, to relatives, and there are some rights that are even to ajanib. See, Maulana is clarifying a lot of misconceptions. He's saying because a lot of people understand, okay, if it's a dini haq, okay, I have to fulfill it. But a worldly thing? I have to pay back a debt? I don't have to pay this guy back. Allah's not going to get mad. Right? I, don't ha- I can lie to welfare, I can lie to the government. I can take out my money and show them I don't have any money in the bank and then like go ahead and take uh, a fund it's not a problem this is dunya how's it the saying whether dunyawi or dini, right or whether relatives whether relatives or whether strangers why is he relatives or strangers because we know that we have to fulfill the rights of our relatives but strangers like my neighbor but he's not even Muslim Why do I have to? So, Hazatik is explaining that don't try to create your own understanding. There are rights that you have, worldly rights, deeny rights, relatives' rights, strangers' rights. All of that is included in deen. And don't create your own understanding that, oh, this person I have to do for and this person I don't have to do for. Everybody has certain rights. And this book, inshallah, is going to be explaining all the rights that the various people in this world that we interact with on a daily basis, what rights they have, starting from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are certain rights that are special people and certain rights to the general people. Special people are your teachers, your parents, your sheikh, and general people are your neighbors and society and random Muslim. A person that you uh, uh, see on an everyday basis in the masjid, you don't know him. If a person, you don't know him, but he says salam to you. He has a right upon you that you must reply his salam. But I don't know him. Doesn't matter if you don't know him that's what it's talking about khas al-am baz baz ke and there are certain rights that your elders have but there are certain rights that their youngsters have on you youngsters they have rights upon you how can that be we're going to learn about that baz musawi daraje walon wa ala hadhi al-qiyas and he says, and there's some that are of the same your contemporaries and some that your elders. There's some that your you know you're the, the rights that your contemporaries have upon you, and there's some rights that your elders have upon you. And wa alahad al-Kiyas Mu'atami is saying, and just like this, many it just Yani Um in the same analogy, right, you have all these other rights That we're surrounded uh, with in this life and people have upon us. And because of ignorance, there are many people who just don't have the knowledge of the rights that the various people in this world have upon them. And there are certain people that they're just. Evil people that they just don't want to fulfill the right of their wife. They neglect their kids. They neglect their parents. So some just don't know. So they're not to be blamed. But there are certain people they know, but they don't fulfill it on purpose. That's bad amali. That is out of, out of their own evil conduct. So Hazrat mentions, Hazrat Hakimun ummat the desire came in my heart that there should be a brief and concise book regarding this matter. Look at what Hakim al-Ummat is writing about. He's writing about things that people face on an everyday basis. And this is a reminder for the ulama that look at the needs of society. Have your pulse on the pulse of the ummah and see what is the condition of the Ummah. Hakimul Ummat, why was he called Hakimul Ummat? Hakim means wise, but Hakim also means doctor. He was a doctor of the Ummah. He had this pulse on the hand of the Ummah. He knew what sicknesses they are suffering. He wasn't, com- he wasn't that person that we imagine him completely secluded from the world and he was in his own world writing fatawa or writing books and writing tafasir. At the same time, he had complete concern and full awareness of the sicknesses that the Ummah was going through at that time. So he says, this desire came in my heart. How can that desire come inside a person's heart? When he's aware, when he has concern. And I hope that this will benefit. <laughs> so he mentioned that this book that I've actually compiled, this is actually from taken from the book called Hakikatul Islam by Kali Sana'ullah Panipati. Who is he? Author of تفسیر mazhari. Very very great scholar. He wrote a tafsir called Tafsir al-Mazhari. Excellent tafsir in the Arabic language. So he said that Qazi Allah wrote a book by the name of Hakikatul Islam. And I have given the reference to that book in Furu Al-Iman which is being translated at, as we speak and we have classes mashallah on Furuul iman It's a sister's class. It's called The Branches of Faith. So uh, uh, Hakim al-Ummat he gives reference to that book in Furu Al-Iman Isma Munmeh Kafi wa Wafita And regarding these Hukuq hu- hu- that book is more than sufficient. It's plenty. It gives plenty of explanation and it is more than sufficient. So therefore, all I wanted to do is just to make a uh, abridgment of that book. To make a khulasa of that book so that it's easily understandable. baaz mazameen kahin kahin gaye But however, there are certain sections which we which I added due to the necessity that I considered that there might be a need therein. ab Allah Taala ki shuru karta hu, and now I am beginning in the name of Allah. Or iska nam hukuk Islam rakhta and I am giving the name of this booklet the rights of Islam, the rights in Islam, meaning the rights that Allah Taala has made binding upon us in Islam. Or isme Chan fasle hai, or har ek fasl me ek ek hai. And there are many many sections, and in each section I have mentioned the rights, one right the, the rights of uh, the, the particular individual or the par- particular uh, person or zat which is being discussed. Haq number one. Allah ta'ala ki hukuk, The rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What right did Allah have over you? That's haq number one. Right on top of the list. bande bandeke zimme Allah <laughs> ka Anuka hai. The first responsibility upon a person is the right that Allah has over you. wa Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala many many types of bounties and existence and allowing us to exist, allowing us to live in this world and survive. Allah has blessed us and showered us with so many bounties. He took us out of misguidance and gave us Islam. And by guiding us, He's given us various different types of deeds and actions by which we can be hopeful of Allah's mercy. That if you pray, then you will attain Jannah. If you give zakat, then Allah will save you on the day of judgment. If you fast, then Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la will, will, will give you maghfirah If you do this, if you do this, if you do this, Allah has given us all these deeds which are bounties. In what way? That each one of them is something in which you can hope for Allah's mercy. Allah Ta'ala ki huqoq bandu ki zimme min yehe. The rights that Allah has upon us, hazrat mentions, is four things. Number one, that regarding the being of Allah, and regarding the qualities of Allah, your Aqeedah and your beliefs should be in accordance with what the Quran and the Hadith says about Allah. The Quran says Allah is un Basir. Then you should believe that Allah can hear all things and He sees all things. In the Quran it says that Allah knows everything which is in the hearts then you should have that belief that Allah knows everything which is in the hearts. In the Quran it says that Allah is the provider. You should believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the provider. Also regarding the zaat and Sifat of Allah, that Allah is one. مَا حَقُوا ala عَلَىٰ Wa وَمَا حَقُوا ibadihi عَلَىٰ اللَّهِ The Prophet once asked that what is the right that Allah has upon his slaves? What right does he have upon us that we should not ascribe any partners to him? And then once you fulfill that, then what what right do you have on Allah? You have this right that He's gonna put you in Jannah. This is a promise. The right that Allah has over you, don't ascribe any partners. This is a hadith. Mahaqullah ibadihi. That they should not ascribe any partners on him. That's the right that Allah has over you, and right, and then after you do that, then you have a right upon Allah. But this is not a right. This is a virtue, because Allah doesn't have to do anything. Allah is not forced to fulfill anybody's rights. Is, is Allah bound to fulfill somebody's rights? He does that tafaddulan wa ihsanan la wujuban kama attaqadahu al-mu'tazila. Right? He does that out of his mercy. What is that? That Allah then promises that when you have not ascribed any partners to me, then I promise you that you will be saved from hellfire and you will go to Jannah. <laughs> Number two, <laughs> those actions, those beliefs, and those dealings, and those characteristics which are in accordance with Allah's pleasure, fulfill those things and those things which are against Allah Ta'ala's pleasure and causes Allah to become angry, stay away from those things. This is haq number two. This book is going to be translated soon. <laughs> Mawlana Muhammad Chaudhary is translating this. This is going to be part of the Islahi Nisab syllabus. So. Number three, Allah Ta'ala ki ko sab ki par muqaddam Write number three that Allah has over you. That Allah's pleasure and love should be over, and should be priority over everybody else's pleasure and love. You should love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you should be concerned with the pleasure of Allah more than the pleasure of your wife and children, more than the pleasure of your parents, more than the pleasure of everybody else on the face of this earth, you should be concerned that Allah should be pleased and that Allah should be loved. You should love Allah more than anybody else and you should be concerned about Allah's pleasure more than anybody else's pleasure. Number four, ya sab Allah Number four, when you love anybody or hate anybody, or when you do goodness to somebody or stay away from somebody, it should only be because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I'm gonna love somebody, right, it should not be because that person looks so attractive, that person is so beautiful. If I'm going to hate somebody, it shouldn't be that, oh, that person's from this language or that person's from this background or that person's, you know, I I, I hate him because he's not from my hometown. He's not from my neighborhood. No, your love and your hate should be based on Allah, Allah's will. You shouldn't love and hate people because of your own nafs or because of your own desires. And you shouldn't stay away from people or concern yourself and do good to people because of your own whims and fancies, your own desires. It should be because of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with. Next, that was Allah Taala's Hukuq. Next is ki huquq, The rights of the Prophets upon us. What rights did the Prophets have upon us? Chun zatu sifatu marziyat وَنَا مَرْزِيَاتِ الٰہِ کی شِنَاقْتِ ہم لوگوں کو بتوسط حضراتِ انبیاء علیہ السلام کی ہوئی اور ان کے, اور ان کے پاس ملائکہ وحی لائے اس طرح بہت سے دنیاوی منافع و مزار منافع اور نقصانات بزرعی انبیاء علیہ السلام کی دریافت ہوئے اور بہت سے ملائکہ ہمارے فائدوں کے کاموں پر متعین ہیں اور با اذن الہی ان کاموں کو انجام دے رہے ہیں اس لئے حضرات انبیاء علیہ السلام و حضرات ملائکہ علیہ السلام کا حق حق تعالیٰ کے حق میں داخل ہو گیا Bil alam sallallahu ka So Hazrat is mentioning because it was impossible for us to know how Allah will become pleased. It was impossible for us to know what is what Allah wants from us. It was not possible for us to know what are our obligations, what are the things that we need to stay away from, and what are the things that we need to do except through the messengers. And those and the wahi was brought to the messengers through the angels. So from this we understand that they've become an intermediary. They've become a means by which we have been saved from destruction. They've become a means by which we have gained knowledge. They've become a means by which we have become enlightened. They've become a means by which we have been saved from a lot of hardships and difficulties. And because a lot of things the Prophets wasalam, were asked of, and they clarified those matters, which were things that saved us in this life, that will save us in this life and in the hereafter. And also there's many angels by which, the, by the command of Allah, they are doing things which is for our benefit. There's angels that are protecting angels. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, لَهُ مُعَقِّبَاتٌ uh, uh, That there are angels in front of him, and angels behind him, and angels on both sides of him that are protecting him at all times. So because of this ihsan and this goodness that they're doing to us, they have certain rights over us, especially the master of the world, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his right and his haqq is more upon us than anybody else's haqq. And some of those hukuk are this. Number one, Sallallahu to believe in his prophethood, that he was the prophet of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Number two In every commandment we should follow his example Number three His love and his reverence should be embedded in the heart And you should always be sending salutations upon the Prophet ﷺ The rights of the angels over us What rights do angels have over us Number one Unki wujud ka rakhe. Believe that they exist. Number two. Unko se paak samjhe. Consider them to be free from sins. Not that there are such things as the fallen angels like Christians believe. Number three. jab unka naam aaye alayhi salam That when their names are said you should say alayhi salam. Peace be upon them. Number four. Masjid mein badbudar kha by going to the masjid with after eating smelly things garlic and onions or other smelly things or by passing wind inside of the masjid this causes great taklief to the angels because they're very sensitive so therefore you should consider it to be right necessary to stay away from those things Tasweerakna, ya Bilazarura tisherei, Kutta palna, ya Jutbolna, ya Jinayat me barahi, Susti, Pararehna, Kenamaz bibarbad hojai, Bilazarura tisherei, ya Tabi, Barhna, Hona, go khalwat meho. He says that another few rights that the angels have upon us is that you should not do anything or adopt those actions which make the angels dislike you. For example, keeping pictures. When a person keeps pictures in the home of living things, then this makes the angels run away. You have not fulfilled their rights. Keeping a dog unnecessarily. Keeping a dog is only for a shepherd, right? If you don't have any sheep, there's no need for you to keep a dog. (inaudible) Jut bolna, telling lies. When you tell a lie, angels run away from you. Janabat barahi susti pararehna. Staying in a state of major impurity, not taking a shower after sexual relations, or continuously staying in a state of menstruation and not showering after the blood has stopped. This causes the angels taklif and they do not come near that house in which a person remains in that state out of laziness. And because of that the prayer also becomes wasted. And without a, 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 a reason, just walking around naked or just staying naked, even though it might be you are in complete solitude, a person should not remain unnecessarily in such a shameless state as this causes the angels to leave and they run away because they have extreme amount of shame and extreme amount of piety and righteousness sahaba the rights that the sahaba have over us and the rights that the ahl have over us Hazarat sahaba wa ahl bayt ajmaeen ko huzur huzur sallallahu because the sahaba and the family of the Prophet Sallallahu they have a direct connection in the worldly life of the Prophet and in the Deeny life of the Prophet. They lived with him, they supported him, they helped him, they interacted with him, and because of their connection with the Prophet, they have rights over us. Right number one, follow them and obey them. Number two, and you should have love for them. Not hate any one of them. Number three, unke adil hone ka rakhe. You should consider every single one of them to be just and righteous. Number four, unki muhabbin se mohabbat or se rakhe. Those that love them, we should love them. And those that hate them, we should hate them. Such as there are certain people that do what? Mub'ghezeen. Who are the haters of Sahaba? right? The Shia. Plain and simple. They're haters of Sahaba. So we hate that they hate the Sahaba. We love those who love the Sahaba and we hate those who hate the Sahaba. He who loves the Sahaba loves them because he loves me. And he who hates the Sahaba hates them because he hates me. وَخَيْرُ أمتي قَرْنِي ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُمْ ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُمْ The best of my ummah is my ummah this time, here. The people that are with me, these are the best of the ummah. Then those that follow and those that follow. How can you have hate for them? How can you create a religion and a theology based on hate? How can your religion be based on hate? We don't have any part in that. And we absolve ourselves from such a belief. The rights of the ulama and the mashayikh. Those that came a little bit later, we're reading hukukul al-Islam of maulana Tanwi because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has rights upon us and the creation have rights upon us. And by fulfilling both of them, right? it's like the two wheels on a bike. The rights of Allah and the rights of slaves. By fulfilling both of them, inshallah, we will get to our destination. Because ulama, zahir and batin, me sirwar alam sallallahu الله عليه وسلم ke wares, or masnad nashin hai. इसलिए इन हजरत के हक्कों भी हुजूर सल्लल्लाहु अलैहि वसल्लम के हक में दाखिल हैं. Because the ulama, externally, externally, and internally. They are the inheritors and they are those that are have taken the responsibility of the work of the prophets. That is why they have great rights upon us. They have rights upon us. Number one, Fuqahai mujtahideen wa محدثين muhaddisin wa asatizah wa masha'iki tariqat wa musannifin diniyat kiliyat dua'i khair that the fuqaha who are mujtahids, Imam Abu Hanifa, Malik, Shafi, Ahmad ibn Hanbal, Sufyan Thawri, Sufyan ibn U'ayyayna, Layth ibn Sa'ad, right? All the other akabir, ulama'i, fuqaha, mujtahideen who established and codified this deen for us, made it easy for us to practice our religion. Wa ulama'i, muhaddisin, and those scholars that preserved the hadith from us, that we would not know the words of the Prophet if it wasn't for... The Hadith of the of, uh, of the Muhadithin, and the, the, our teachers, and the Mashayikh of Tarikhat, and the Mushannifin, and the Mashayikh of tariqah, the Mashayikh of the silsilas, Mushannifin, Diniyat, के लिए दुआएँ ख़ير करता रहे, and those people that were Mushannifin Diniyat. And those people that were writers in, in, in Diniyat, you should always be making Dua for them. Number two, In accordance with the Shariqaida, you should follow them. What does that mean in accordance with Shariqaida? Don't follow Shafi'i when you feel like it, and in Maliki when you feel like it, and Hanbali when you feel like it. You should follow them. Meaning, don't follow them according to your whims and desires. Take one and keep on following one. And you will get to your destination. Because when you're going to be following whichever one you want to make, then what's it going to become? Right? I'll give you an example that one of the mashayikh gave. Right? You ever seen little kids when they paint? They have green. And then, mashallah, they have yellow and a light green. And then they have another one and it's a little bit of blue. So what they do, and when, they, when they're painting, you take with blue and you take with green and you take with... Look at how nice that looks. But actually when you take all of these colors and you mix them together right and you put them all together right it becomes something of like this type of dirty brown color like if you especially when you when you when you're looking at painting if you look at a child that's painting that you take all the paint and you put it all together, you take the green and you take the blue and you take the red and you take the orange and you put it all together in one because it's going to look pretty. It doesn't look pretty. You get a brown rainbow in the end. You don't get a colorful rainbow, you don't get a beautiful rainbow. In the end, you're left with brown, a dirty blotch of nothing. And that's the reality of those people that try to mix tariqats and they mix madahib, It doesn't come out to be something beautiful. It becomes a dirty brown and that is the example of the spirituality of those people that they try to follow whatever. And look at what Hazrat says, Hasbi In accordance with the Shari Because if you're following them according to shari'i qaida, according to the rules of Sharia, then, right, every single one you'll take in accordance with the way that it will not be according to your desires, according to whatever you feel like doing. So you should follow them. Hasbi Number three, those of them that are alive, you should treat them and deal with them with love and reverence. You should not have any hatred or any type of opposition for any ulama, even if they're not people of the same uh, viewpoint and perspective as you. In accordance with and uh, to your ability, you should always be supporting these righteous ulama because the work of the ulama is work of deen. Anything that they do is going to be for the khidmat of deen and for the upliftment of deen. So the best of your ability, if you'll be able to financially support them, help them in any way, then you should do so. They have that haqq upon you. Imagine, Muhammad yil has said that financial helping of the ulama is a haqq upon the ummah it's not something that they should need to ask people this is something very very ajeeb because they're doing a service for the Ummah, if it wasn't for them then we wouldn't even know our deen <laughs> the rights of parents <laughs> The people that we just mentioned, because they were a means of us getting all the Dini benefits, all the Dini bounties. So therefore, we mentioned them first. But there are But there's some people that they are a cause of our Worldly benefits. Unka haq An sabit and their rights according to Shariat is also established. Masalan ma ijad or parwarish. The parents bringing you into existence and taking care of you and nurturing you and bringing you up. tawassut It is by virtue of their care and concern that you are in this world today. It is by the virtue of your parents that you are living and you are on your own two feet today. If it wasn't for them, where would you be? They could have kicked you out of the house a long time ago. But because of them, we have the worldly bounties and we're here today because of them. Because of that, Sharia has established for them a couple of rights. Right number one, Never ever try to disturb them or hurt them in any way even though they may have done something which is, right, a, they, have, they have gone beyond the limits. They have exceeded the limits in doing certain things to you. You understand what I'm saying? So even though they may have exceeded the limits in yelling at you, they've exceeded the limits in putting you down, they've exceeded the limits in, for example, uh, getting angry at you, right, or yelling at you. Beware that you should not cause them any disturbance or hurt. Do not take revenge on your parents, in other words. Number two. قولًا وفعلًا unki تعظيم kare. Through your words and through your actions, you should honor them. Don't honor them in your words and then in your actions, you disrespect them. Oh, I love you mom, make dua for me. And then what? Hey! make a, uh, Iron my underwear. I love you make dua for me and then you want her to iron your underwear. And nobody's going to see your underwear anyways. So not only you should you be doing it qawlan but also fi'lan. Through your words and through your actions you should be revering them and honoring them. Number 3. Shuru umur shuru umur jaiz kamon mein unki itaat kare. Mashru umur in those matters which are permissible, you should obey them. Anything which is permissible and they tell you to do that, you should obey them. Number four. If they have any wealth or any financial help that they need, then you should help them even if they be non-Muslims. Remember, every single one of these hukuk, these are general hukuk. There are certain situations that come about that are exceptions. There are certain situations where then you have to ask the muftis, you have to ask the ulama regarding certain situations in a household, right? Where parents might be involved in certain incorrect type of actions or whatever. Then you ask the ulama regarding that, that what are the rights that the parents have upon you? What are the rights of parents after they have passed away? What are the rights of the parents after they have passed away? Because we know that, okay, my, my parents are alive, it makes sense. But what if my parents are dead? Then what rights do they have? Even after your parents have passed away, they have rights upon you. What are those rights? Number one, You should always be making du'ai maghfirat and rahmat for them. You should continuously um, give sadaqa and nafil on their behalf and give the sawab uh, and the uh, a reward of that to the to, to them after they pass away. Those people that had a connection with your parents in this life, when they were alive, you should take in consideration of them, try to make khidmat of them, treat them with good character and good conduct. Meaning your parents' friends. Number three, Those people Uh, your parents who had a debt you should take care of their debt after they passed away and a lot of people they become very nasty in many of these regards what I mean by nasty is like somebody will come and say you know I'm your father's friend I don't care who you are (laughs) if a person comes up to you and says I'm your father's friend and and you know for a fact and you had seen him and the person comes and asks you for money. If you don't have money, you don't have money. But remember that the haq that that person is asking you through, that haq is established. Beware of that. One is you, you, ha- you don't have money. Or you don't have time, whatever. But the haq that he's asking you of, he's not asking you something beyond. He's not asking you something that he made up. Like, who do, who, who do you think you are that you're coming to me? I don't know who you are. You're my dad's friend. You're not my friend. And this hadith has actually come, Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he was riding on an animal, and he was wearing a turban, and he was walking, and there was an old man that he saw on the side of the road. And he got off his animal, and he took off his turban, and he put it on the head of that man. He was an old Bedouin. And he took that man and he put him on the animal. And s- Sarah on the ground, Ibn Umar put him, and then the, the, some of the students of Ibn Umar, who was a great scholar, Hafiz of Quran Muhaddif Faqih, Ahl Sunnah They said "Oh ibn Umar Who is this person? He's just like a normal guy He's, no, he's a nobody He said no he's not a nobody he's my, He was my father's friend This man was my father's friend For an Arab to take off his turban And put it on the head of somebody It's no joke Taking off your turban Is a sign of disgrace Lowering and humbling yourself Ibn Umar took off his turban, he put it on the head of this man, rode him on his, on his animal, honored him. And the narrator of the hadith says, I thought he was overdoing it a little bit. I thought he was overdoing it a little bit. So why we're reading these rites, that if somebody comes to you and asks you on behalf of that, you shouldn't say, who are you? I don't even know who you are. But Bamachi. I don't care that you knew my dad, you knew him, you don't know me. And I don't know you. The Prophet ﷺ used to send gifts to the friends of Khadija عنها, his wife. He used to send gifts when the Prophet would slaughter an animal, he would send the meat to the wives, I mean to the, to the friends of Khadija radiallahu anha, who were old women at that time. They were old ladies. So, these حقوق have been mentioned that if somebody comes up to you and demands something, that's fine. A person can excuse himself and say, I'm sorry, but I, I don't have. But don't kind of, you know, because sometimes we get angry. Who do you think you are? What is this person talking about? What is he asking of me? It's important for us to know that you know that this person is not crossing lines. He's asking something which is his haq. Right? Being considerate with your wealth with them. And taking physical caring for them. I mean, massaging them. Taking care of them physically. And you should come forward to them with. what. Remember what Hakimul Ummat is mentioning here. This is not like mustahab or something that is nafil. This is hukuk. Number three, hua, usko The debts that they may have had and they passed away, should try to take care of that. I said that was my dad. He died. Get away from me. Don't come to me. This is specifically when uh, you know individuals are coming and they ask. This is something that. Uh, all of you should take into consideration that your, your parents don't just be, have this relationship with your parents. That uh, okay, well, you know, you did everything for me, and now I don't know of any rights that you have over me. These are the rights that your parents have over you, whether you like it or you don't like it. This is haq- this is what Islam has has as as explicated. This is what uh, Islam has mentioned. Number four, <laughs> and often you should visit their grave. Often you should visit their graves. And don't leave them like that. Visit them from time to time. The next, Dada, Dadi, Nana, Nani, Kihaquq. Dada, in, in Urdu, is talking about the parental, or what, what do you say, the, the, mater, the, the, the paternal grandparents. Nana, Nani is the maternal grandparents. So paternal and maternal. So we call them all grandparents. But in Urdu there's a different word, Dada Dadi, Nana Nani, Dada, grandfather, of your father of your father, and Dadi, mother of your father, Nana is the father of your mom, and Nani is the mother of your mom. Dada Dadi, Nana Nani ka hukum, shara'an mislima baap ke hai. The rights of your grandparents are just like the rights of your own parents. Therefore, their rights are just like the rights of your parents. And similarly, your maternal aunt and uncle and your paternal aunt and uncle is also like your father and mother. You understand what it's saying? Your paternal uncle and aunt Are like your father Your maternal uncle and aunt Is like your mother You guys understanding what I'm saying? There's very important things here And this is actually narrated in a hadith. When one Sahabi asked that, Oh Messenger of Allah, my parent my mom passed away. So the Prophet immediately asked, Is your auntie alive? Khala is your, your mother's sister. That Amma. Amma is your father's sister. Khala is your mother's sister. So the Sahabi said that but my mother passed away. He said, Do you have a do you have a khala? Do you have a maternal auntie? He said, "Yes, I do." He said, "Then take care of her. It's just like taking care of your own mother." Aulad <laughs> ki The rights of children. <clears throat> just like the parents have rights over the ki- uh, over the children. Children have rights over their parents. It's not one sided. I own you. You have to do whatever I tell you to do. Yes, but from the other side, there's also rights. The children also have rights over their parents. That, oh, my parents, you have to fulfill my rights. Number one (laughs) Subhanallah. before they're even born, they have a right upon you that you marry a pious woman so that your children will become pious. (laughs) Your children have a right upon you before they're even born. And what is that? Marrying a pious woman so that those children become pious. So those 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 that are not married yet, now you have already, right, this very important thing that these are the rights your children have on you. You've done wrong to your children that you married an evil woman or an evil husband. You just looked at his money and then you just married him. You just looked at her beauty and you just married her. No. You have to see how is she with her deen, how is she with Allah, how is she with her knowledge? how is she with her taqwa. Number two, consider children free from sins. Don't be so hard on children like as if they're sinful, as if they're doing something wrong. You get so angry at them as if that they've, you know, they know anything. They're sinless. So don't be so hard on them. What's, what's, the, what's the, why is this point mentioned? Consider them sinless. We do consider them sinless. But when they're sinless, if Allah's lifted the pen from them, then you also lift it, lift it a little bit, man. Be easy on them. If Allah's lifted the pen from them, then don't be so hard on them. Beating them up for not praying? Beating them up for other types of things, you know what I mean. Like some parents are, they want to enforce the dean, but you don't enforce the dean on them because they're they're sinless. Allah has lifted the pen from them. Yes, you reprimand them, but consider them sinless. And considering children sinless will change your attitude towards them. That's ajib. They're little angels. How would you treat an angel? That's ajib. How would you treat an angel? So don't be so, uh, you know, critical and harsh because they're sinless. And if a sinless, you hurt the heart of somebody sinless, you're in trouble. You hurt the heart of a sinless creature, you might get a dua from the heart of that child. I remember my Shaykh, Rahmatullahi Alayh, he was a Allahu Akbar, what type of man was he? He had, little, he had a little jar in which he had candy for children. And every time the children would come, he would give them. And he would give them whatever they would ask for. And they said, Hazard, why do you do that all the time? He said, I don't know. He said, it might be that this child will be happy of me and then Allah will become happy with me. That by making the heart of this child happy, Allah will become happy with me because he's sinless. SubhanAllah the attitude the way that you look at them is very important how you see these children it changes your attitude and your and the how the way you deal with them subhanallah number 3 jab unka naam aaye number 2 bachpan mein mohabbat ke sath unki parvarish karna ke aulad ko pyar karne ki bhi fazilat aayi hai bachpan Muhabbat ke ko pyar He said, when you're raising them, you should raise them with love. Because showing children love is a thawab and a reward. When you show love to children, the Prophet ﷺ has mentioned that there's reward in this. Especially girls. Your heart should not be restricted in regards to having a girl unki करने की बड़ी because there's great, great virtue in raising girls. अगर anna का दूध पिलाना पड़े, तो और तलाश करना के दूध का असर he says when you are going to find a um, a nurse to nurse the child and breastfeed the child. These we're talking about in the olden days, they would breastfeed the children. Maybe the mother was not able to uh, give milk or the, the, the woman would not have milk, but giving milk to the children was, is, is, a, is a responsibility, that they, they, the, the haq that they have over you. So when you're going to find a woman that's going to be breastfeeding that child, you should find a woman that is a righteous woman because inside that milk, the milk that is going inside of that child will have an effect on the character of that child. Because she's not just passing on milk to that child. She's perhaps passing on her character. She's passing on her taqwa. If she's eating haram, then through that milk, that haram will be going inside of that child. So that's why those those women that are that are giving their children milk, they should not be, for example, listening to music, watching shameless things, going out without hijab, going in, 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 uh, in parties where there's mixed gatherings. Uh, listening to all different types of ghibat uh, uh, and all these evil things because it affects you. And then when you're giving the children milk, it will be directly transferred into those children. Number three, unku ilm adab siklana. You should be teaching them knowledge of deen and adab and manners. Teaching them to say bismillah. Teaching them to say assalamu alaikum. Teaching them to say thank you. Teaching them to say sorry. Teaching them to say excuse me. All of these Manners and adab and consideration. Number four, jab nikah ki ho, unka nikah kardena. And when a time of nikah comes, you should marry them off. Marry them off to suitable spouses. Have this have this in mind. Don't just have this in mind that they're gonna become PhDs and they're gonna get, they're gonna make you proud and give you some big name. I want you to become a doctor and engineer. Well, think about his his haq also. That what is this child going to do throughout his studying in in, in university? All these shameless things that that child sees, how can he guard himself? You should be concerned about that child and about the marriage of that child also. This is the responsibility of parents. Now, poor uh, 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 young men and women, they're doing it on their own. Going on websites, going on internet sites, going on marriage sites. And what are they doing? Trying to find husband and wife because the parents are not Not like parents. Why do they need to do that? Why do they need to be worrying about that? Why do they need to get involved in these type of things? If you fulfill their haq somebody came and told me today in the masjid that sheikh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, this a uh, uh, son, uh, you know, brings home a girl, and you know, he's bringing him home, and then she, you know, he has relations with her, and then she gets her pregnant, and this, that, and the other. I said, whose fault is that? Why did he bring why did he bring that girl? Why are you so distant from knowing the needs of your children that that child had to do that without you even knowing? The fact that you don't even know about that. The fact that you you don't even your 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 children you, you don't even know the needs of your children. That's a big problem. That you don't know that your children have that need? So it's the right that the parents, that the children have on the parents, that they should get them married. If <laughs> married. Aram سَيْرَكْنَا SubhanAllah If you have a daughter and her husband passes away then you should consider your house open for her and you should be concerned about finding her a second husband also. Don't just kick her out of the house and say, No, you're ashamed for us. As is in many cultures. You should open your house and be considerate to take care of them. And your house should be a place where they be comfortably remaining there without any type of uh, 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 fear or shame. Uske Masarif bardashkarna. And you should also be able to take care of her expenses and her needs after her husband has passed away, or if even if she has gotten divorced or whatever situation has come about. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to make amal upon what has been said